ask now in Jesus' name that you will do like the disciples said, help our unbelief where we can't trust you. Help us to know, God, that you love us. And because you do, you have our best interests at hand at all times. And so, Father, I just, I just declare trust in the hearts of your people even now. Those who may be struggling where they are in different circumstances and situations, let them know that they can trust in you. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. Some trust in their money. Some trust in their jobs. But we at Word of Truth are going to trust in the living God. And so I step back now so that, Father, the Spirit of God can use me to minister to your people. And I thank you that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of your word, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Grab your Bibles if you have one. Hold them up real high. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like a church. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I'm, I know it's Father's Day, and what I want to do is share a message that will encourage the fathers, but will also apply to everyone that's here. So just touch your neighbor and tell them you need to pay attention. Amen. So if you're here... And you have your Bibles, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the verse in Scripture that we're going to use as primary text, and that is uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Luke 15, 11. And then we're going uh, we're gonna to move in a couple of more verses, but we're going to stay there primarily. If you're taking notes, our message title is Five Characteristics of the Father. Five characteristics of the Father. And I thought it would be appropriate to read something that I received from heaven, my daughter. And uh, I believe she wrote this when she was in middle school. And uh, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to start out with what she wrote to me. It's entitled, Daddy. Daddy, I love you You never for never doubting me and bringing me lunch. Daddy, I love you for making me breakfast and lunch. Sounds like she's always hungry, huh? And for having a positive attitude. Daddy, I love you for teaching the Word of God and for believing in all possibilities. Daddy, I love you for making me happy and for loving me unconditionally. Daddy, I love you for flying to Austin to me. She had a soccer game, and I got it on a plane to go and see her. And she says, and for forgiving me. Daddy, I love you for letting you, me call you dad and for just being you. Love heaven. Give heaven a hand clap if you would. 
So before we read Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through uh, maybe 25, let me warn you in advance that this is a long story, okay? However, if Jesus took the time to teach or share this story, I think we need to take the time to at least read it. Amen? Now, there was a story about a father uh, who had went to church with his wife, and she had been bugging him for years to go to church, and he never went. And so this particular Father's Day, he decided to go. And as they sat there listening to this long sermon by the pastor, all of a sudden, he leaned to his wife and said, Honey, I need to leave. And she said, Where are you going? And he said, I'm going to go get a haircut. And she said, well, why didn't you do that before we came to church? And he responded by saying, I didn't need a haircut before listening to this long sermon. And let me help those of you who may be slow this morning. That means his hair grew while the sermon took place. Amen. Now, mine won't be that long, but my purpose in reading your story is I'm going to point out some fatherly characteristics that we're going to read that are displayed in the life of the story. Now, I'm going to point out these characteristics not only from the father in the story, but these characteristics also reflect our father in heaven. Can you say amen to that? So let's start reading here. It's in Luke chapter 15. I'm reading out of the King James Version primarily. And it says, and he said, this was Jesus giving the story. He says, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto him or them. It says them, but it translates in the Greek to him, his living. Verse 13. And not many days after that, the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, say all, when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into a field to feed swine. And if this was a Jewish young man, which it probably was, Jews and pigs don't meet, don't, 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 don't uh, agree together. So then it says in verse 16, when he was hungry, he would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. And when he came to himself, how many know sometimes you got to come to yourself? Amen. Parents, don't worry about your children. When they get off, one day they'll come to themselves. It says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and to spare and I'm perishing with hunger, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. He had a hard time, didn't he? And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring here the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this was my son who was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they began to be merry. Someone say amen. So what I'm going to give you today are five characteristics of the Father. And these are five characteristics that not only we can trust God to be in our lives, but these are five characteristics as fathers and even as people of God that we can institute as people in our lives. And so in verse 11, it gives us the first characteristic. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the characteristic up front, and then I'm going to show you the principle in the Scripture. The first characteristic is our Heavenly Father is a giver. Everybody say, our Heavenly Father is a giver. Verse 11, it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto him his living. Now, what's interesting about this is because in those days, first of all, inheritances were only given after the father passed. So not only was he disrespecting his dad, acting as if his dad was dead, he was asking his dad to front something he had not even deserved yet. So we see here that the father divided among him whatever he wanted to give him. And this characteristic lines up with John 3.16 because it says, For God so loved the world that he was. That he gave. In other words, God is a giver. Everybody say, God is a giver. And the beautiful thing about God is that he only gives good. How many have been married before? Let me see your hand. Or married now? Let me see your hand. All right. Well, when you marry somebody, you don't always get good. You don't have to say, man. Some of y'all are looking around going, should I say it? Should I say it? I saw somebody with their hand getting ready to slap. You better not say that. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father above. Now, I love the CJB version, which is the complete Jewish Bible. This is what it says in James 1.17. Every good act of giving and every perfect gift is Come is from above, coming down from the Father who made the heavenly lights. With him there is no variation nor darkness caused by his turning. God is so much light that he has no shadow. Amen. And because God only wants good for us. Everybody say good. Because listen, the point is God is a giver and the only thing that God can give is good. And here's the thing, he wants us to have good so bad that when bad things happen to us, he promised us, according to Romans 8, 28, that he would work those things, those bad things, together even for our good. And so this is why when things are happening in your life, don't make it hard to discriminate if it's God or the devil. Because if it's bad, it's not God. And if it's good, it's not the devil. Because God only wants good for us. And so if you're going through something today that may be difficult, God will use that thing and work it together for your good if you will allow him. So don't make the mistake that most people do and ascribe evil to God. 
It's hard to trust somebody to get you out of the bad if you think he did it to you. Someone say amen to that. Characteristic number two is that our heavenly father is a provider. Our heavenly father is a provider. Watch verse 17. It says, and when this young man came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. This young man's father was a provider and he wasn't just a giver because a giver and a provider are different. Amen. See, you can give your children some shoes and that may be you being a giver, but a provider not only gives them the shoes, it provides them for the whole outfit. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, let me put it in today's terms. It's, it's, it's a father who don't just buy things for their children who he may not be with his mom. He pays child support too. Praise the Lord. Amen. And when we see that this father was not only able to supply for his son, but he had a whole host of hired help that he was able to supply for. And this is what you have to understand about God. God's supply is unlimited. Everybody say God's supply is unlimited. Now, I know you think, okay, well, my supply is limited. Well, this is why you have to learn how to connect with your heavenly father because the Bible says he will supply all of our need. Watch this. It's not according to our riches and glory. It's according to his riches and glory. And God's riches and glory does not run out because he's not a limited God. He's an unlimited God with unlimited resources. Amen. And I believe in the heart of every father is the ability or desire to provide for their family. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. amen. And, and, and I believe this heart that we have to provide for our family, it's, it's, it's probably one of the biggest issues because with men in general, I believe we rely on ourselves and then we overstress ourselves and we overwork ourselves because we view ourselves, watch this now, as the provider other than God. Amen. He said in Luke chapter 12 verse 25, it says this in the Living Bible. And besides this, what's the use of worrying? What good does it do? Will it add a single day to your life? Of course not, fathers. And if worry can't even do such little things as that, what's the use of worrying over big things? Look at the lilies or the flowers. Do they toil or spin? And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not robed as well as they are. Verse 28. And if God provides, everybody say God provides. Remember now our characteristic number two is that our heavenly father is a provider. He says here, if God provides clothing for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you suppose that he will provide clothing for you, you doubters? And don't worry about food on what to eat and drink. Don't worry at all that God will provide it for you. All mankind scratches for its daily bread, but your heavenly father knows your needs. He will always say always. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Watch this now. I'm going to give you a secret. The secret to receiving God's provision is faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Amen. Faith. See, if and, and, and Apostle Hillier said it on Friday. If need was the thing, 
that moved God to do something, there would be no need. So it's got to be something other than need that will trigger the the power of God to, to work on my behalf. Well, guess what that power is called? It's called faith. And so the most simple way to explain faith, this came to me on yesterday, is that faith, watch this, is just doing your part. I'm going to say that again. The most simplest definition you can have about faith, faith is just doing your part. Everybody say my part. Whatever God says to do is your part. And that's why, listen, faith without what? Works is dead. So if you and I will just do our part, let me tell you what it does. It then triggers God's power to be released. Maybe you have not received what you are believing for because you have not finished doing your part. Amen. Here's characteristic number three. We're doing good with time. Characteristic number three, our heavenly father is a teacher of righteousness. Now, before we do that, uh, I just felt prompted to share the story of this facility. So we were in the midst of building the building. Millions of dollars were coming in and out, being spent. Hundreds of thousands on a daily basis sometimes. And so we ran into a snag. We needed a second loan to finish. So as I applied for the second loan, everything was good, sat down to to close on that loan, and I read some paperwork which didn't sit right with me. So when I didn't, when it didn't sit right, I decided, okay, I need my attorney to look over this. So, of course, I gave it to him, and then I told my pastor about it, and I sent it to him. And then there are are some other business people that I respect that are believers, and I sent it to them. And as they all read it, they said, don't sign that paperwork until we do some further research. Well, in the midst now, work had been done on the building. And there are some people who were waiting on their paycheck. How many want your check when they told you you was going to get it? So uh, the window people, we owed them, uh, it was $189,000 that was due for us to give them. And because our second loan had not kicked in, we didn't have the $189,000 to give them. So when I met with Reggie, who was building the building, he says, Pastor, the window lady said that if you don't have her money, now, this was on a Thursday. I'm just giving y'all some insight now. See what kind of stress the pastor be under sometimes. She said, if you, this was on a Thursday. If you don't have her money by tomorrow, which is Friday, she's going to sue you and then put a lien on the building until she get her money. How many know the devil is a lie? I said, God is a what? He's a provider. So I said, well, see if she'll meet with me tomorrow. Because favor can only be triggered if you do your part. I said, see if she'll have a meeting with me tomorrow. Now, I don't know what I'm going to say in this meeting. But I'm asking for one. So he called her up and she says, fine. So I show up at this uh, at the building. She wasn't there yet. So she showed up after me. So I'm waiting. And so I printed out and I said, Lord, I, uh, before I got out of the car, I said, Lord, I, I'm not sure what to say to this lady. All right, now I'm going to show her this piece of paper that I don't want to sign, but I don't think she's going to go for that. And when I said that, before I got out of the car, the Lord told me to share my pastor's story with her. And this is why you need to listen to Pastor Evan's stories. 
I know you've heard them five, six, seven, eight times. But listen, you don't know when you're going to need it. And I, this, this story that I'm going to tell you today the, by my pastor, I done heard this story so many times, I could tell the story while he telling the story. So years ago when my pastor first started pastoring, he had a little bit, y'all see it on Friday, y'all saw this little raggedy building. He was in that raggedy building. He didn't have hardly no members. The church building that he was in was no wider than two cars sitting side by side. It was a bad situation. And God told him, to, so he spoke to him that morning and says, I want you to go get a new car this week. Tell the people. He was like, do I need to tell the people that? Tell the people. So he gets up on the Sunday and says, pastor's going to have a new car Sunday. And everybody started laughing because they knew he was broke. And they didn't have no money either. So everybody laughing like, we're going to see this. Pastor's going to have a new car. We'll see. So Monday rolls around. He gets in the car. He rolls all the way down. Nobody will give him a loan for the car. So finally, after frustration sets in, he goes back to the church. He's praying. He says, Lord, you told me to go get a new car this week. And then you told me to tell the church. Where do I go? He says, well, had you asked me where to go, I'd have told you ahead of time. He said, go to that bank. And it was right up the street from the church. So he goes to this bank. And as soon as he walks into the bank, the bank president comes out and says, what can I do for you, preacher, today? Now, how he knew he was a preacher? We don't know. He took him in the office. He says, so, so how can I help you? He says, I want a new car. He says, what kind of car you want? He says, uh, a Mercedes. He said, the man said, one day, one day, one day, you'll get a Mercedes. You'll get a Mercedes. What, what, what's your second choice? Because see, sometimes your desires are much further than where your faith is. And you just got to start right where you are. Listen, just buy the Volkswagen and drive it like it's a Bentley. Anyway, he said, which one? He says, a Mercedes. He said, one day, one day, you'll get another one. You'll get that. What's the second choice? He says, you know what our preacher's like, a Cadillac. He said, one day, one day, one day, you'll get that. You'll get that. He said, what's your third choice? He says, a Buick Park Avenue. He says, great choice. So the guy got on his calculator and started calculating. He says, now listen, we'll give you this much for the car. Go find it. And whatever difference it is for what they charge you, you'll just have to come up with the difference. The man never checked his credit. He didn't even have to fill out an application. He left the location, went to the dealership. He drove up and nobody got out of the car to help him because he drove a car they called the bomb. You saw smoke before you saw the car. So he drives up, he gets out, he goes into the office, he sees a car and he tells the the car manager, hey, I I, I like this car. And uh, the guy said, well, how much money you got down? He says, "Uh, uh, none. He said, uh, Okay, well, uh, then, um, you know, does, does your loan cover the whole car? He says, no, but, but if you'll let me take the car home, uh, I'll come back with the down payment. He, says, he said, preacher, we don't do business like that. And, uh, and so my, my pastor said this to him. This is what I said to the lady. My pastor said to the, the sales car man, he says, sir, my banker has trusted me for 336 months to pay the note on this car. I just need you to trust me for three days for 10% and that down payment. And then he stuck his hand out there. And the guy looked. He was like, oh, okay. And he shook his hand. He said, go get this preacher's car ready. And he, left him t- he let him take the-, the car home. 
So when he shows up at church with that new car, the church was amazed. They was like, wow. And they raised an offering for him, right? And when they raised the offering, it pays for all of his insurance for the year and some gas for like six months or whatever. And it was a blessing. So when I walked into that lady's office at the window company, I said, ma'am, I said, listen. I said, I have thousands of investors because, see, we did bonds here. That's how we got our loan. I said, thousands of investors have trusted me for 25 years to pay them back $7.5 million. I need you to trust me for six days for your $189,000. Kept my hand out there. She was like, okay. She shook my hand, and after she shook my hand, I said, if I don't have your money in six days, do whatever you got to do to get your money. And then I got my George Jefferson walk, and I walked out. <laughs> Listen, I did not know where that money was going to come from, but if you're going to walk in faith, you got to be bold. If you don't do your part, God can't do his part. Long story short, y'all know the story. That was on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday rolls around, no money. Tuesday rolls around, no money. Wednesday rolls around, and uh, uh, on Tuesday, I had got prompted, instead of praying, was to begin to declare the promises of a harvest. And our church is a giving church, so I begin to declare, Father, I thank you that we're the truth family church. We're a giving church, and because we are, you said men will give back to our bosom. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, I declare resources coming from the north, the south. I mean, I did that for like maybe 40 minutes. That was on Tuesday. Wednesday, I got to meet with Reggie. And I know the first question Reggie's going to ask me. Pastor? Do you have the money? I am driving down, what is that, Collins. And I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to tell Reggie? And when I'm right there, kind of close to where they just built that academy, I get a phone call. Hey, Pastor Evan. I was like, hey. He says, this is Galen Lachey from Gateway Church. I said, hey, how you doing, Galen? He said, good. He says, uh, Pastor Robert wanted me to call you because we want to be a blessing to Word of Truth and you all's project. He says, uh, if you'll send me you all's wiring instructions, we're going to wire you all $200,000 today. Come on, somebody. Our God is a providing God. Here's characteristic number three. Our heavenly father is a teacher of righteousness. Notice in verse 18, he says, I will arise and I will go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no worthy to be called your son. Watch what he says. Make me one of your hired servants. Notice that this young man's father had instilled some type of spiritual values into his heart, or he would not have known that he needed to repent. And even though the son had wandered away from his taught core values, the father still knew in his heart. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6, which says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And so when they get old, they won't depart. I love the message translation of that verse. It says, point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't be lost. 
Proverbs 13.22 in the Amplified Version says, A good man leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children. In other words, God, listen, we need to leave more than just money to our children. We need to hand down some moral and some spiritual values and disciplines because that will go much further than money will do any day. And it was the spiritual disciplines of my dad that made sure that I went to church every Sunday growing up. I didn't want to go to church every Sunday, but it didn't matter what time I got home from the club. You going to church in the morning. It was this discipline of going to church every Sunday, this teaching of righteousness that led to my salvation. Let me tell you why. Because I'm at Prayer View. I'm partying hard. Right? And uh, it was inside of me. No matter how hard you party, you better get up and go to church. So I had partied. And uh, on campus, they had this room where the party was. And it was, you know. And uh, the next morning, me and my cousin, who's gone with the Lord now, he says, uh, I got up. I said, cuz, we got to go to church. That's what you're supposed to do. That's how I know we have members that go to the club and come to church. Well, God bless you so. So I show up to church. And why is church in the same room as the party we had last night? I'm like, this is a familiar atmosphere. I remember being right over there in that corner last night. But I'm hearing the gospel for the first time that made sense to me. And that was the seed that brought salvation. And so you and I must instill some righteous disciplines into our children so that so that, that word can resurface in their lives when they need it. Can I, can I get an amen? Here's characteristic number four. Is that our heavenly father is a compassionate father. I know you have this view of God that he's a spiritual uh, baseball player up there with a bat waiting to knock your head off like a baseball. That's not true. He is a compassionate father. And verse 20 says, And he arose, the young man, he came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This young man, I want you to notice something. He didn't get a speech from his father. He, he wasn't asked, why did he come back? He was just embraced with compassion. And so many times as parents, we want to put the lesson before the love. When it's the love that will help them receive the lesson. Amen. What is compassion? Let me tell you what compassion is. Compassion, the best way I can describe it, is seeing someone's situation from their shoes and then being moved enough to do something about it. I'm going to say that again. Compassion is uh, seeing someone else's situation from their shoes or their viewpoint and then being moved enough to do something. And that's what Jesus did. You can write down Matthew chapter 20 verse 13. It says, or 32. This is about two blind men. It says, and Jesus stood still. He called them and said, what will you have that I should do unto you? They said, these blind men said, Lord, that our eyes may be open. Verse 34 says this. So Jesus had compassion. Say compassion. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes. In other words, compassion 
should cause you to look at someone else's situation from their viewpoint. Not from yours, because our viewpoints and their viewpoints are different. See, our viewpoint would be like, well, why are you short anyway? How'd you get in that mess? Were you budgeting properly? Hello. I just saw you come off a cruise. Why are you trying to borrow some money from me now? Okay, that don't good. That ain't good. Okay, Matthew 14, 14. It says, and Jesus went forth. He saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Who needs your compassion today? Here's the last characteristic, number five. Our heavenly father is a forgiving father. Verse 21, it says, and the son said unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I am no more worthy to be called your son. And I'm just going to put a plug in here to let you know that when you get born again of God's spirit, you can't be unborn. Just like in the natural, when you are born into the Johnson family, you can change your name to Abba Waga, but you're still a Johnson. You know why? Because you have Johnson blood flowing through your veins. You can move to the other side of the world and decide to never speak to your family again. But at the end of the day, you are still a Johnson. Well, if you are still a Johnson in the natural, how much more in the spirit? Listen, you can't lose your salvation. If you didn't born again, you, how you go unborn again, you? Amen. Watch this now. He says in verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Bring bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And here's the thing. What this, this father displayed was forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. And this is how you know If you have forgiven, watch this now. You ready for this? This is how you can know. Because see, most of us make forgiveness about a feeling. But see, you can, you, you can forgive when you can give. I'm going to say that again. You can forgive when you give. Notice what this dad did. He just threw the guy party. He brought him a robe and a ring and forgiveness has a side effect. It's called giving. Amen. And that dad did not hold back his love, his care, his generosity for this young man. All he did was show love toward him. And there are many men, in fact, there are many people in this room today who may be holding a grudge or withholding forgiveness because of something that their dad did or didn't do. Amen. In some cases, some of you have been spiritually crippled and emotionally crippled in life because of what your dad didn't do. Well, guess what? Your heavenly father wants to show some compassion today because he sees where you are. He knows that dad hurt you, whether he did it intentionally or not. And many times our view of God has been distorted by the actions of our natural dads. But I'm here to tell you today, Jesus feels your heart, he understands your pain, and he's ready to move with compassion to heal that area of your life. And so I feel led to do something that I don't normally do. And I was just going to do it for the fathers, but then I felt, I'm like, man, I can't just do that to fathers. So here's the deal. I have some oil, 
And I want to lay hands on every person who has a father wound. You say, Pastor, I'm just, I can't even call my dad today and say happy Father's Day because I hate him or I don't like him or I don't know him. And that's what makes me hurt because why did he, why did he not try to be in my life? You know what? I can't answer any of those questions. But one question I can answer is the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and you shall recover. And I believe today that God is going to transfer healing from me through the Spirit into your life. And so if you're here today, you can just play behind me if you would. If you're here today and you have a father wound, in fact, everyone just stand right there at your feet, at your, at your seat. Stand right there. Just stand. If you have a father wound, I just want you to come right down here and I'm going to quickly lay hands on you. And I'm going to believe that when contact is made God is going to spiritually heal your heart don't let what people think keep you from coming don't let that happen because here's what I love about church you never know how God's going to move somebody who decided to stay in the bed are missing their healing opportunity if Father's Day is a bad day for you I think you might have to come up here to get some healing. Hallelujah. 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 So here's, here's what I'm going to do. Hold that for me. The oil just represents, say represents. It just represents a, a liquid agent. For which God can move. You say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm, 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 I'm teaching you now. Jesus got ready to heal a blind man. And he felt he needed more than just putting his hands on him. So you know what he did? The Bible says he spit on the ground. And he made clay from the spit and the dirt. And then he put it on the man's eye. In other words, it was just a substance. Say Substance. For which God wanted to use to bring healing. And I believe with all my heart. I'm telling you, healing is going to take place today. And so from this point on, don't be fooled by the feeling that you may walk away with. In other words, if you, because this is a spiritual impartation. Healing starts from the inside out, not from the outside in. So when you leave and you get some negative thoughts about, oh, I thought I forgave him. What you're going to say is the blood of Jesus has cleansed my conscience from that dead work. And Father, I thank you for healing me in Jesus' name. That's all you're going to say. I'm going to say that again. When you feel that thought, you're going to say, Father, the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses my conscience from dead works. Thank you that my conscience is clean from my dad. And Lord, I receive my healing in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? Father, I thank you that I'm obeying what you wanted me to do. And so now it is your time to bring impartation to your people today. Holy Spirit, move like only you can in Jesus' name.